Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this special learning and development episode of Nine to Thrive HR. I'm Andrew Bateman. I'll be your host today. I'm joined by my colleague, Jenna Filipkowski, Director of Research at HCI. Jenna, will you tell us a little bit about our guest today? Thanks, Andy. Our guest today is Dr. David DiFilippo, Chief Learning Officer for Sulfa Construction. David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the invitation to be here today. And um, so I guess a little bit about myself. So I uh, live in Boston and uh, work uh, currently for Suffolk Construction as the Chief Learning Officer, but have spent really the majority of my career uh, in learning and education roles, uh, up to and including uh, starting my career off a long time ago as a high school teacher and coach. So uh, education uh, has really been at the core of my, uh, my career. Excellent. And, and uh, last time we talked, Dave, that you were uh, uh, participating in an HCI webcast that talked about the Career Start program at Suffolk Construction. It was really a great example of an L&D program geared towards entry-level employees. And it leads me to ask you if, if a hallmark at Suffolk Construction is that all employees uh, participate in L&D opportunities. And, and if that's true, could you explain a little bit in depth for our listeners how L&D efforts are structured within your organization? Yeah, so that was a, that was a really fun webcast to be part of. So, um, you know, it's funny that you mention it because just this week we had our new class of 23 career starts join the firm. And so I had a chance to spend a lot of time with them this week as they were starting their onboarding and learning about the company and, um, you know, beginning um, to prepare for their first rotation in what's a two-year uh, management development program. But if you build from that and you think about that as one of our key talent segments that we bring into the organization to prepare for our future talent pipeline, we also attend to the other um, talent segments that we have, be it um, the incumbent technical workforce, uh, managers in the firm, um, up and coming leaders in the firm. Uh, and the way we do that is a couple ways. First, um, and I'd say the foundational way is we use a competency-based approach to learning and development, which means that we've mapped uh, all of our roles, both our operational roles and the roles that are non-operational, to competencies, um, and we've mapped those roles um, to different learning and development options. Um, the reason we felt that was important was to set up an architecture that would uh, demonstrate progression. Um, so that our employees would have line of sight to where they are, but also um, where they can go uh, in their job family or even where they can go outside their job family if they say wanted to switch from, you know, one functional area to uh, another functional area. Um, and I'd say that's at the heart of the way we do things. And then I'd say the second thing would be um, at Suffolk, we are a high-performing organization. And so uh, we believe uh, in a meritocracy. So we look at um, the elements of performance uh, and potential, and that really is the you know, the two axes, if you will, so that we can identify our talent, um, coach and um, give feedback to our talent, but then align them to the right programs, be it technical expertise or if and when someone is ready to go on to a people management or leadership role, um, we can prepare them for that career path. So, David, we're glad to have you as a keynote speaker at our Learning and Leadership Development Conference. And your keynote is entitled Learning Science, Structure, and Solutions. So I know from my research seat, I want to know, what are the most important learning science theories and research right now? And do you think most organizations are embracing what we know in order to be more effective? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I, and I guess the way I think about that question is um, this way. What What is old is new again, in my opinion. 
And what I mean by that is um, everything that I just described to you with respect to our focus on a role-based curriculum that will define progression is really aligned to some core principles uh, in the learning and talent field. So, for example, if you go back to a very, um, I don't want to call it simple, but a very basic premise of all learning and development, and you look at the science of instructional design, historically that's something that was founded in the 40s by Robert Ginnay, and it was used um, during World War II to prepare the Army uh, Air Corps. Right. So if you think about the idea of uh, the ultimate measure of performance, which was to fight and ultimately win the war, um, there's a pretty high bar there. Right. So I'm not sure if in my industry or from other industries, the bar is that high. But the point is um, that the science in which learning and instruction is developed um, is core to the way we've structured our role-based curriculum. So let me give you a couple examples. So the idea of um, very, very clear competencies that align to learning objectives, that align to um, each role that can be tested so that we can understand the proficiency of our employees is central to that. And that all aligns with the whole science of instructional design. Um, The idea of chunking our curriculum um, aligns with really the theories uh, of instructional design, but also even more recently, the theories associated with neuroscience. Um, And by chunking, I mean smaller, bite-sized bits of learning that are modularized so that um, folks could learn how to do something through a quick video or through um, a a quick um, checklist of instruction where we show people how to do something and then they do it. and then we can evaluate their proficiency to do the tasks. Um, so those types of pedagogical approaches um, are core to the way we've um, done all of our curriculum analysis, design, and then ultimately the implementation. And um, you know, what I, what I guess I would say to kind of close would just be that, in my view, the, the kind of core things in learning remain important. Um, but what has changed in the industry in my time in it um, has been some of the methodologies to deliver learning and distribute it, be it through you know, a classroom or an asynchronous e-learning or maybe a virtual classroom-type environment or more sophisticated things like machine learning and simulation. Those delivery methodologies and things that enable learning are different, uh, and they continue to evolve, which is great for the field. But the science behind them uh, has remained the same and should remain the same so that we develop sound, um, measurable learning. Great point, uh, Dave. I think that's really valuable information for our, our listeners. And I, I think one of the things that, that we found in terms of uh, organizations today uh, is this real real call to action about moving toward a manager using coaching skills model in which coaching becomes available to all employees at an organization. And clearly this falls within the realm of uh, L&D. So I want to ask if, if you could share with us a little bit of your opinion on how L&D can structure and support this process in which managers are adept and accountable for coaching those who report to them? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think it's one, one of those questions that's been in vogue uh, recently, uh, the whole idea of coaching. And, you know, I guess for me, I like the question a lot because I started uh, the early part of my career as a teacher and a coach, and I tend to look at the world through that lens, right? So I, I tend to think of myself as the head teacher and head coach uh, in my job as CLO, which simply put is all about individual and organizational performance, right? That's what a teacher does. That's what a coach does. So to your question, um, I guess the first thing I'd say is I think, number one, 
you know, um, organizations have to be really careful about HR or learning and development or the talent function taking on the responsibility for coaching. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, managers of people um, shouldn't sort of delegate that responsibility, if you will, to the learning and HR function. Um, so having said that, um, the way to sort of embed coaching into the organization is to give managers and teach managers those skills. So it literally, um, it becomes kind of a coach the coach model so that managers can coach their employees. And if you think about that in any organization, it's really about the place of leverage. So frontline and middle managers, uh, I would argue, tend to have the most leverage uh, in any organization because you're closest to the client, you're closest to the operations, you're essentially closest to the, to the day-to-day part of the business. So um, teaching those managers how to coach employees through, you know, pick your model could be a simple model of asking someone, hey, what did you do well? In this case, what do you, what do you think you could do differently to start to raise awareness? That type of simple feedback and coaching model um, will start to deliver returns um, by raising the self-awareness of employees, but also by um, ensuring that managers feel really comfortable having those conversations. Um, that, you know, that I think is the way that you really build a coaching model into an organization in a sustainable, repeatable way so that it doesn't become a flavor of kind of the moment thing. Well, thank you, David. Those insights are very valuable as we construct a new coaching course here at HCI. So I appreciate it. And thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been a great podcast. Yeah, thank you both. I I appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to the uh, conference in September. Likewise, likewise, David. And we'd like to also thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And we encourage everyone to subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed what you have heard today. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and of course on our YouTube channel, HCI Talent. Lastly, one more big thank you to Dr. David DiFilippo for providing this great content to our listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about what we've discussed today in this episode of 9 to Thrive HR, you can find more resources at hci.org. For all of us at HCI, I'm Andrew Bateman.